All right. Hi, and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey, and my pronouns are he and him. Um, my name is David. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Sarah. My pronouns are she and her. And it's been uh, an interesting couple of weeks. We had the throne speech about a week ago now, a uh, little less than a week ago. And uh, there's been some back and forth about what went on there. And and yeah, so we, there's quite a few stories to cover. So before the I show. I missed you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's been four weeks since you've been on. <laughs> it wasn't Sarah chasing me away. I just had life stuff get in the way. So. No, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Stuff happens sometimes. Makes it tough to uh, spare the energy to come on a show. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Well, with uh, the last time we were scheduled, I guess, I don't know if this counts as Saskatchewan news or not, but uh, driving back from Saskatoon and by far the worst I've ever seen that highway been in over a, over a decade of driving it on a very regular basis. Uh, right. I drive that highway at least once or twice a month, every month with the exception of uh, for about that first year of COVID. And I have never in over 10 years seen that road that bad it took over four hours to do what was normally a two and a half hour drive so i I appreciate you guys soldiering on without me (laughs) well i'm glad you made it that's (laughs) that's yes i did not end up in the ditch like well over two dozen vehicles that we passed along the way so at least two dozen there were times when i couldn't see the ditch because of the low visibility so i'm sure there were more off on the side during those stretches as well so yeah, we're we're currently in a a bit of a winter storm thing going on today too, and uh, I was supposed to drive to Weyburn to take my daughter and her friends back to Weyburn, and I decided just not to, so they get to skip school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about driving to Saskatoon this weekend too, and yeah, it, it, there's this time I was more cautious. I listened to the uh, the weather report ahead of time and decided to hunker down with some hot chocolate and popcorn and avoid the roads. Sure. Good call. Uh, talking about the weather really isn't Saskatchewan news, though, I guess. We're, <laughs> it is Saskatchewan current events, but not, yeah, yeah, not so much. The kind of. Yeah. Not new right. current events. Continuing. Ongoing. <laughs> yeah. Ongoing story for a couple stat, centuries now. The state of being in Saskatchewan is talking about mm-hmm. the weather. <laughs> All right. So we might as well come uh, get on with some stuff. Our first story is the Saskatchewan government discourages the use of a federally funded Canadian anti-hate network toolkit in classrooms. Uh, they said that the toolkit does not require, uh, does not meet the quality criteria and is not free from bias. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much there is to say about this, except that like the bias that they're looking for, uh, like it's an anti-white supremacy bias. <laughs> so, I don't know. Obviously, that's bad for the the SAS party. Um, yeah. I don't know. It seemed pretty pretty silly to me. So I find it funny that like that's not okay, but your like super biased white paper is fine to be a thing. I mean, I guess it's not a piece of curriculum, but still. Well, and technically, neither is this. <laughs> this is a uh, it, according to the director of the Canadian Anti Hate Network. Uh, says this isn't curriculum. It's, uh, what is it? It's a resource, an in-class resource, but as a professional development resource, primarily for parents and teachers, it is not curriculum. So it's not like they're teaching kids 
word for word whatever is in this anti-hate toolkit, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I know uh, Samantha Bacotti, uh, president of the Saskatchewan Teachers of Federation, says she's surprised that the province is discouraging the use of the toolkit. And uh, she said that, like, the teachers are highly educated and they're well-trained and they know whether or not they want to use this tool in their uh, in their uh, toolkit or not yeah. in their classrooms. It's, it's, the bias is on behalf of the provincial government who doesn't want this to be a toolkit for teachers yeah. and parents because then everyone will know how bad. And the idea that anything like, can be taught without a bias is ridiculous. Like well, everything has a point of view. Like just from a like study of knowledge, there is no such thing as knowledge that doesn't have a perspective. Um, yeah. Just by sheer virtue of a human being watching it, presenting it, um, there are cultural biases steeped into the most neutral of academic subjects. Like math has a cultural bias in it based on what number mm-hmm. systems are used this like the the terminology that's used um the prioritization of which uh, fields of mathematics get taught first and which don't why we teach differential calculus ahead of integral calculus why we teach calculus ahead of probability like all of these things are having a bias to them and when you get into social sciences or the humanities there's there is always going to be a bias but that doesn't mean you stop teaching it because there's also <laughs> like just by sheer virtue of which things you talk about and which things you don't talk about have a bias. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this um, toolkit talks about Saskatchewan in a couple different places and it talks about the 60s scoop and it talks about starlight tours. Yeah. Um, choosing to hide those things from children, choosing to, hide those things from students and scholars, which is what our children in schools are, is a bias. Um, Pretending that the Starlight Tours didn't happen is a bias. Um, And yeah, teaching that it did happen is a bias as well. You're you're picking and choosing which things to talk about. Um, So it's not about saying we can try and find some weird, idealized, non-biased perspective. It's about being factual in what we do teach and acknowledging that there's a bias in picking and choosing. And it is important to understand why some of the problematic things that have happened happened so we can prevent them from happening again. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got, uh, Belgord says the Saskatchewan Ministry of Education has claimed that the Canadian Anti-Hate Network has made, quote, quite controversial statements without any kind of backup or evidence end quote, in the toolkit. And uh, as far as I can tell, and and uh, the director of the Anti-Hate Network uh, says that this is, that's not factual or accurate. There is lots of evidence to back up what they've got in here and lots of links and information uh, to support what they've uh, provided. So, yeah. And it's one of these things where I don't like governments suing governments. But at some point, you almost, and this isn't put out by the government specifically, I don't believe, uh, the federal government, but like sometimes you almost want someone like Balgord to start 
you know, <laughs> actually bring government officials to court for libel. If you're right. if you're saying that I don't have proper citation, that's an accusation of failure to provide academic rigor. That's a pretty strong accusation. Um with 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 no evidence. Right. Yeah, that's um, right. So well, and yeah. it, this just speaks to like Saskatchewan, but this is something that isn't it the federal government is offering or recommending. So it's they like, were involved in the uh, the grant. They they gave a grant or something to uh, help fund this. Yeah. So this. what yeah. what are other provinces doing? Is Saskatchewan the only one that's like? Mm, BC no says that it's putting in. Uh, BC says it's already putting it in on a recommended list, uh, and other. Uh, other provinces are having are meeting with the Canadian Anti Hate Network. Okay. Uh, they say every other province so far has either been neutral to positive. Saskatchewan is the only one that's had a negative response. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I'm guessing Alberta is going to have a negative response as well. That's yeah. that's yeah. me using my magic psychic powers. Um, so that <laughs> hasn't actually happened yet. Yeah. This is through through the power of my precognition. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to make it that just break. happens that certain provinces have been. <laughs> yeah, uh, they. There's one more point here. He said that uh, Balgord said he we don't want this thing to be political. We're kind of disappointed it's become political in Saskatchewan, and I I kind of disagree with him on this. Like this sort of thing is always going to be political. It's just the inherent nature of uh, the system and and the white supremacy that exists within our culture. So. So be it. <laughs> and it's, it is naive to think kids aren't being exposed to the opposing point of view. Even yeah. if, let's, let's, let's even give every single parent and teacher and whatnot the benefit of the doubt and assume not a single parent in Saskatchewan is promoting white supremacy or racism to their children. Um, by the age of 10, your kids are going to have been on YouTube. Yeah. One way or That's another, right. your kids will have seen YouTube. It There's is, it lots is, of white supremacy on YouTube. <laughs> it is It is not possible for that not to happen. Yeah. So if you don't talk to your kids about it, they don't have the tools to rationally dissect it. They don't yeah. have the tools to go fuck no, that's ridiculous. Hopefully your <laughs> nine-year-old isn't actually saying fuck no or Depending on where they are, depending on the swearing are, I'd be fine with it. um, (laughs) And and like, and again, these are tools that come into play that can sort of help provide some defense in school so that it doesn't fall 100% on parent shoulders to provide that inoculation. Um, I'd like to think that I've done a good job with my own kids on having some of these things and touch base with them like every just the other day i'm like hey by the way do you ever watch andrew tate and my 12 year old just like no like just the look of <laughs> abject horror and disgust that i even would think he might yeah. was just like okay good i'm doing an okay job but like that required a lot of work and laying a lot of groundwork and yeah parents should yeah. be doing tons of that stuff too in the world we live in but having additional defense against that stuff um, it's always good. Yeah. Is good. It is good to help kids be good at thinking. But that should be <laughs> one of the things school does. So. Yeah, that's right. The struggle is real. Concerns deepen for Regina's houseless population. Um, yeah, uh, this was 
uh, what was the the date on this? October twenty fourth. So it's a it's quite a while ago now, two weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it's cold, and our our homeless population is uh, higher than it has been in the past, and I'm not sure. I think the city has not done anything to work on it, uh, and I don't get the impression that the province is doing anything. So I don't know where we're, where to go with that, but yeah, that's just it. It's like so many of the stories are like, yeah. Saskatchewan's a shithole. <laughs> ah, yeah. Next article, right? Yeah, like, that's right. It, it's it's still wild that um, this is an issue, but of course it is, right? Like when you have a government that does not care, that is squeezing people dry and increasing costs on everything and gutting social programs and all of that. It's, this is this is the result, right? So yeah. You know, it, it's horrendous, but not surprising, and also feels kind of hopeless because, you know, the people that are in power are the ones who are best able to fix the situation. And, you know, the people in power are kind of jerks that don't care about people that aren't just like them. So, yeah. I mean, kudos to all of the folks that do work in, like, mobile crisis and stuff like that. I can't imagine how difficult of a job that is um and you know the one of the other articles talking about food bank use being up mm-hmm. and all of the other um charities and things that are pitching in to help and it's like they shouldn't have to that shouldn't have to be it's all know. just band-aids right like it's all yeah, like, like these are not solutions to, they're just <laughs> if people are going to the food bank as a regular means of feeding themselves that means that you have a systemic problem that's not you know either you need to fund that you can't rely on everybody else to fix the problem because when when you tax everyone to hell and you make everything more expensive there's going to be less donations to the food bank and then you know problems just going to get worse it's going to snowball from there so yeah. Yeah, it's like at last word, the city was assessing whether there is a need for emergency housing for the winter beyond the province's plan. It's like, probably. Can we just assume probably? But. Yeah, for sure. And I I have a broken record on this, but what we're doing is also absolutely, utterly stupid from a fiscal responsibility standpoint. Like, again, I always go back to even if you don't care and like the fact that people are going to die, like that is not a question. It is not a matter of if at this point it is a matter of how many homeless people will die in Regina this winter, not a matter of if anyone will. It is simply a matter of how many that should be enough to horrify us into action. But even if it wasn't, the, the sheer fiscal stupidity of the way we are doing it now should spur us into a housing first solution to this problem. Yeah. And so anyone uh, calling like themselves a fiscal conservative. Like every single area that has implemented housing first initiatives have one seen better health outcomes, employment outcomes, mental health outcomes, um, life outcomes for the population without housing but also it has become cheaper it has saved them money when stuck like every time without fail by a large margin 
Um, this isn't, and this isn't secret unknown information. We know this. We know what we're doing is expensive. Treating symptoms rather than solving problems is more expensive. Um, like even just from a common sense perspective, and none of these people are living in uh, fancy swanky hotels when they are seeking out support for mobile crisis. But imagine instead of a person living in their own apartment or their own home, living in a hotel, like just even the cost difference of having to provide housing one night at a time, just without even going into the studies, just from a common sense perspective, providing something on a night by night basis is going to be more expensive. Um, and it is unfathomable. Um, and I guess it's not unfathomable because there's this moral outrage that people are willing to literally throw their own money away just to punish people who think who they think don't deserve right care yeah. um, i guess unconscionable is probably a better word than unfathomable uh, yeah. we we don't prioritize housing over bandits the big news of the uh last two weeks the sask throne speech and uh their pledges to legis for legislative changes to defend natural resources uh the throne speech referred of course back to the uh white paper the uh uh and, and their planning to put out, uh, what is it, the Saskatchewan First Act and the uh, amending the Saskatchewan Act. And this is the part that gets me. To state that Saskatchewan continues to retain <laughs> jurisdiction over its natural resources. This is a thing that happens already. This is the way it is. Well, we have to restate that it continues to retain this. And uh, yeah, introducing legislation allowing Saskatchewan to co collect corporate income tax and uh, greater control over immigration. Uh, so, and there's other things too. There was a uh, discussion in the throne speech about uh, uh, policing and uh, and whatnot. And it's, I mean, it's the throne speech from the SAS party. It seems like a lot of the same old, same old in a lot of ways, like tough on crime, but also like, woe is us because the feds are like, targeting us and really like they really want Saskatchewan to fail supposedly yeah I don't know what do you guys think <laughs> I mean we talked a bit about the white paper last yeah, time, last time. It's, it's again just trying to put attention on something else to distract from other nonsense they're doing it's like you said to continue having these rights that you already have so you're just you know it's like a kid yelling. It's like, I demand breakfast. It's like, we're going to get breakfast. <laughs> on the table. It's there. on the table already. Yeah. I want five bowls of Cheerios. Okay, well, we only have three. I'm sorry. You're going to have to just do with that. Well, I'm going to write down on this piece of paper <laughs> that I'm entitled to five bowls of Cheerios. Yeah. And Regardless of what's available. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I just hate this whole thing. Yeah bothers me so much. Yeah, it's uh, what's the one? Oh, go ahead. Was it this idea of defending natural resources? Um, is this wacky culmination of rhetoric that has slowly morphed over time? Because now we are literally talking about defending an inanimate object. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can make the argument that 
revenue from natural resources provides this, that, and the other thing. You can make the argument that employment from natural resource um, extraction feeds families, right? Like you can make the argument that this is a valuable industry because of the things that it does. But even if you support it, I would hope you would have the rational understanding that it is a means to an end and you are not literally trying to defend a puddle, right? <laughs> this is ah, ah, but I have a friend who owns a corporation that can make money off of that puddle. So I have to <laughs> defend the sure, puddle. But like, I guess, and that's why you're obfuscating it because what you're not defending what you're not yeah. defending is a natural resource. You're not defending that, you know, resource underground. You're not defending uh, a natural gas um, site. Yeah. You're not defending a lump of coal. You're defending the rights for people who own that to profit from that. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't sound great. But like <laughs> they've completely abandoned the rhetoric of defending workers. And, and, you know, the coal workers, oil rig workers, yep. natural gas workers. And I, th I think, and I, again, maybe this is just the, the jaded in me. I think the reason they've stopped the rhetoric of we need to defend our oil and gas workers is as time goes on, shifting jobs into green energy provides more jobs and more revenue for the workers yep. themselves. Like you're giving up, you know, what, like you're trading away five oil and gas jobs for 10 wind and solar jobs that pay more are less dangerous um, and provide better social outcomes just by sheer virtue of what you're doing. And they're more profitable at this point. Like we've already crossed the tipping point where when you remove subsidies, wind and solar is cheaper than oil and gas. Yeah. Um, the only thing keeping oil and gas afloat is the fact that it is so heavily subsidized in the form of it's essentially being given away. The resource itself is being given by the province to the energy extraction companies. Um, and then we take back a little bit in terms of royalties as you know when we do so. Um, so we give away $100 and ask for $2 back. Yeah. Um, that's for anyone who tries to nitpick the numbers. Those are random numbers chosen <laughs> off the top of my head. Don't come back and tell me royalties are more than $2 per $100 of oil extracted. I know that's a, another tactic, but like if you start focusing on the rhetoric of 10 years ago or 15 years ago when we talked about iHeart oil and gas workers, yeah, the oil and gas workers themselves your your buddy who goes out to Fort Mac in his F-150, um, who now is leveraged up to his eyeballs in debt on that F-150 and is struggling because he's not able to go out on the rigs as much as he used to and the oil is, prices are lower and all that. If he is retrained to maintain a, a wind turbine the same way he maintained and learnt and was trained on how to maintain a rig, he's going to have a safer job and he's going to make more money and he's going to be overall better off. So you, you got to start shifting the focus away from that to you need to protect the rock in the ground itself, as opposed to protecting the people who, who pull it out of the ground. 
So can we just convince some of Mo's buddies to get into like solar and wind? Because then <laughs> Oh they're oh, in oh. there. <laughs> There's no doubt that they're in there because they can make money off of it, right? But, yeah, so I, I'm still not understanding the just the death grip on you know clinging to oil and gas so fervently. Like I don't, I still don't understand it. Yeah, it's because, just like, exactly uh, everything David said, yeah. right? I also think part of it isn't even um, like part of it is obviously his buddy making profit off of it. Um, I think part of it though is just it's the team. It's if you can convince people, it's us versus them. We're on we're on team lump of rock and therefore team, you know, sunshine and wind is my enemy. Yeah. Um six well, team sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like a lot of the energy companies at this point are actually more green than the provincial jurisdictions that they operate in. Yeah. Um that's a low bar. Right. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I actually Anything else from the throne speech itself that we want to touch base on. Well, I mean, we talked in the past about, uh, why is the government running liquor stores <laughs> and they are planning not to do this anymore. Uh, my only concern is that this is going to put some people out of work, uh, out of good union, uh, jobs, but, uh, I'm hoping that they will have some way to transition them, um, other than well, just no. layoffs. Well, yeah. <laughs> All they said was, well, you can get jobs at the private places. And it's like most of those pay, yeah. you know, minimum wage and aren't unionized and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's not equal. And yeah, it's, it's maybe strange that we're in the selling booze business, but uh, it was still making money from what I saw on other, like on Twitter. Well, it sure is. And we're uh, still in the selling booze business. Yes. Still maintaining the, the wholesale. Yeah. <laughs> now, once again, we're subsidizing private industry at this point because like the province staying in the wholesale part of it means they will continue to keep costs like the wholesale costs low yeah. for the private retailers. Yeah. So it is, it is at this point, once again, the government providing a, a service to private corporations for them to profit off. <laughs> With, you know, no benefit to the workers or anything else, right? So that's what I didn't understand is, like, why are they, like, we have them fine. That's maybe a, you you obviously had a conversation on whether the government should be doing that or not. But it's like, why, why, now that you're doing it, why are you stopping that part? Just that part that people have decent employment on, that we make money on, all of that. You, You either, like morally object to government booze and you get out of it entirely or <laughs> or you don't do it in a way that it yeah. helps your people right those revenues go to social programs you make sure the jobs are well paid unionized all that kind of thing so now it's like yeah we'll just do the <laughs> we'll just do the part that helps out the private industry and screws over the workers yeah, that's yeah. and it, it is that weird sort of, I've talked about this before where, you know, conservatives always talk about running government like a business. Imagine if you owned a business where you were a wholesaler, but also had a retail distribution network that you yourself owned that was making money and you didn't sell the whole thing. You kept the 
sale business, but didn't keep the retail distribution of your own product. Like you intentionally leverage off the profitable part of your business. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's weird right. to me. And don't get me wrong. I think if they were to sell off the, I think we're going to see alcohol prices go up, but I think if they, if you were to sell off the wholesale part of it as well, you'd see alcohol prices go up even more. And right. I'm glad I get to pay what I pay for liquor. I'm glad it's cheaper here than it probably would be if it was supplied privately. Um, but I'd rather like, I, I would rather them get out of liquor. Since I've, I've said on this show before, I, I think governments should do things that are necessary. I think there's a lot of things that we currently do as crowns that should probably be just straight up public utilities and rather rather than crowns. If it's important enough for the government to do it, it should be a utility. Yeah. And if it's not important enough to be a utility, then we can let it be private sector or we let it be, you know, we go socialism rather than communism and let it be worker-owned cooperatives. I'd be good with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> um, and and taking alcohol just sort of when we don't do it with any other industry really seems you know very puritanical. But I, I I did note the whole we're just doing this whole legalized embezzlement thing where we have government just sort of shifting profit into the pockets of companies rather than just letting them actually compete in a free market. Literally the project of the SAS party for the whole time they've been in power, <laughs> shifting public money into the hands of private. Yeah. Uh, so in the throne speech, there's also a couple things about uh, policing. Um, they talk about, uh, Reopening the courthouse in Lloyd Minster and in Weyburn, and which is fine, whatever. <laughs> um, they did mention the Saskatchewan Marshal Service to work alongside the RCMP as well, um, which seems like too many cops to me. But, and very expensive. I didn't yeah. see it on here, but yeah, I saw an article of like how many millions it'll cost. And right. just, again, money you could be spending to prevent crime. <laughs> rather than you know what we need is more yes. people that are already doing nothing yeah we need more right. people doing nothing and we because... need to pay them a lot of money to do nothing yeah and, and like just knowing how you know agencies and things where everybody is kind of protectionist i don't know how you're not going to have people like stepping on toes like working alongside the rcmp probably yeah. not how that's gonna there's going to be with. jurisdiction is issues right like yeah, and and hoarding of information because you don't want the other guys to get the edge on what like this happens in any organization like even you know I work at the university there's little silos everywhere right and it's one organization that has a common goal and there's still some kind of well I don't want to do this because I'll step on their toes it so it's like putting that in like a policing framework <laughs> knowing the personalities that tend to dominate in the policing line of work but i just don't see this good from like forget even if you love cops and like they're the greatest thing ever just having duplication and redundancy not going to be a good idea yeah no. because of exactly that you know territorial nature of things right one of the fascinating things about this throne speech and really any conservative Throne speech, State of the Union, what have you. As in the last 20 to 30 years, 
is that conservatism of the last 20 to 30 years is predicated on this idea that everything is awful right now. Like their entire <laughs> brand is how horrible everything is. So let's just and make it this, worse. <laughs> but it's this weird dichotomy when like you're the one in charge. Like right. the Sask party has been in charge for what, 14 years? At least, like over right? a decade. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, you're the one in charge and you took over in a boom time. Like when you took over, we had a surplus. We were running um, a, a surplus budget year over year. We had a, a big rainy day fund built up. The province was increasing population year over year, every year for the, the few years leading into them taking over. And like, then they took over and now 10, 15 years later are complaining how horrible everything is as their brand. And it's just this weird sort of like having to, at one point, everything's great. Like if you read the throne speech, it sounds like it's written by two different people. Cause at one point they're like, everything's great. Saskatchewan's wonderful. We're bringing in jobs. We're bringing in projects. Um, everything's hunky dory and wonderful, but also we're living in a nightmare hellscape. Like, which, <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> hospitals are overrun, our streets are lost, everything's out of control, but also there's nothing to worry about with your provincial healthcare system and right. we're law and order. Sask MLA says inviting convicted killer uh, John Colin Thatcher to uh, throne speech was, quote, an error in judgment. Um, so he was invited by MLA Lyle Stewart uh, to the throne speech and... Obviously, it was noticed. <laughs> like, like, I think I feel like it was intended to be noticed, but that's just me. Uh, so uh, everybody's allowed to invite a member, a guest to the throne speech, and this was Lyle Stewart's invite. We've got yeah. a couple other stories reg- related to it. In that uh, first, Mo didn't want to apologize, and then he did apologize, <laughs> and there's been like a a roller coaster of reaction to the Colin Thatcher appearance. I just love how like if this doesn't speak to the sas party this whole colin was a long time mla and he's a constituent of mine and a friend of mine and that's why i invited him it's like it's, i'm not friends with any convicted murderers i like to consider myself a good person i would be concerned if the people running my government were friends with a lot of convicted murderers and not like you know crime of passion, self-defense, you know, just straight up killed his ex-wife because things were going for like that kind of thing, you know. There's a lot, there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, and everyone's just like, yeah, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been there. (laughs) How do you think that's a good idea? Oh, yeah. Uh, Stuart said Thatcher was a fine individual and has had a tough time, tough life because of his time in prison. So, Let's just wrap our heads around that. Being in prison is bad, but we want to make sure we put lots of people in prison for as long right, as possible. Right, right. Yeah, like the uh, the but tough on crime person. kind of idea is backwards, right? Yeah, he's a fine individual, but, you but know. But all the other prison. people in jail aren't. So so naturally we have to uh, abandon them and leave them there. And uh, But this guy, he gets to come and, and do his thing. Well, but he's saying he's had a tough life because of his time in prison, meaning – Time in prison is bad, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, unless you're anybody but a yep. white conservative male. Is that the 
sad to get like just the hypocrisy and like it's not even hypocrisy i think it's just they're really just that obtuse that they don't even see that it's hypocrit. you know what i mean hypocritical uh, <laughs> well, and i i guess one minor i don't say correction because what you said was correct but uh extrapolation or expansion you refer to lyle stewart as a as an mla he was also the legislative secretary in charge of provincial autonomy so like he was the legislative secretary in charge of what Mo has treated as the most important project within his government over the last six months. Like right. he is yeah. not some random backbencher. Like yeah. he was a high, like he wasn't, he, he wasn't uh, a minister, but he was probably as high up as you can be without being a minister. Like he mm -hmm. was a parliamentary secretary, but the parliamentary secretary in charge of Mo's biggest passion project. Um, like he's he he was the how can we make Trudeau look like a silly goose secretary, right? Like that was his job. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah. and so like he like again, it, it, Mo should have been aware. Mo would have been aware of this. He guy. was absolutely this is, aware. This, is, this like <laughs> this was not a oh I didn't know who he was bringing. Like Mo knew. Yeah. Or if he didn't, that is bizarre levels of being in the dark within your just own a government. lack of communication on every level. Like, yeah. what 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 was your purpose in him being that you can invite a couple people and like of all the people you choose, you chose him and why all they're saying is like, well, he was a long time MLA. Right. You're saying. And I guess as progressive conservatives, not SAS party, same shit, different pile. Um, but you're you're highlighting the fact that this convicted murderer was a long time MLA of your party and inviting him because of that. So you're just, again, further highlighting the fact that your party is kind of rotten and terrible and awful. Uh, it's just, yeah. Well, I, it's was it just- Some people have said, powerful? yeah. Some people have said that it's intentionally uh, meant to distract, right? I don't know, I can't read the motivations behind people, but it sure seems like just this was a move. Distract or to feed into the Aha, anti-SJW, mm -hmm. anti-wokeness. Um, we love the liberal tears. Um, yeah. Like intentionally, quote unquote, trolling, right? Like it's yeah. it's this thing where it's not about what it's it's the brand isn't about governing. It's about undermining the other guys. Yeah. Um, but the, the, it is own, about your own people. That like, if, if I was a conservative, why would this be a good thing? Like. Conservatives are generally anti-crime and law and order, blah, 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 blah. Why, why would anybody it's about owning the lips. Yeah. think that's They like because... owning the lips more than they just like crime. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's not act like it's crime is an excuse. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. If we're talking about people actually being worried about crime, they would be far more angered by the rich, powerful person who abused his wife and murdered her like in their like who cold-heartedly murdered her as opposed to the 19 year old indigenous kid who sold a bag of pot without a license yeah right like but it's not what it's about it's not about law um it, it's about well i guess it's about order not so much about law 
It's not yeah. about justice. Yeah. It's about maintaining maintaining a certain order within society. And it's not about justice. In either case. Bo apologizes and removes Stuart from duties after the Thatcher invite. So uh, Stuart's removal comes into effect immediately according to a brief email from Mo's office on Monday. Uh, so just like October... 31st. Yeah. So he has apologized and removed Saskatchewan Party MLA Lyle Stewart from his legislative secretary duties after he invited convicted murderer Colin Thatcher to this fall's session launching throne speech. So, I mean, we kind of know that this means that they found out that the consequences were greater than they expected and they actually might have to, they, fa they faced backlash from people they expected to not care or, or to uh, support them. Well, and so that's what I was trying to get at is that, like, why would you think this is a good idea? Like, who is like, yay, convicted murderers on either side of the aisle, right? Like, on any political party, nobody's like, you know what we need? We need more wife murder and assholes in this place. Like, so how are, how are you so <laughs> not this would backfire on you, right? Like, that's what I don't understand. Um, I'm surprised it now, backfired on them. I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised. <laughs> For lots of things, yeah, if it was somebody that had, um, you know, said some racist things in the past, if it, but it's like convicted murderer, right? Not, oh, you know, he has some financial issues. It's, that's not white collar crime. They're totally fine with white collar crime. This dude straight up murdered somebody, right? Yeah. Conservatives don't like that. The, the people that murder people are bad, even in the conservative mindset. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. Again, you have maybe you have more faith in Saskatchewan <laughs> than I do. Um, I think that I know a lot of conservatives that people that vote conservative that really in their hearts aren't conservatives, but just can't identify themselves as as anything but. Um, yeah, that those people they are good people, and yeah, they think of themselves as conservative, but still would have a problem with this. Um, there's all the folks that don't, but I think still the vast majority of SAS party supporters are people that just aren't aware or just cannot vote for NDP or liberal or anything, but they're just born and raised conservatives. And that's just the way it's going to be. They can't stomach voting for anything else, um, but would have a problem with <laughs> convicted murderer being, you know, a guest of honor a special invite of one of the other one of the people in the party right but yeah so it speaks to maybe that mo and co think that the majority of the supporters are the like yellow vesting convoy or folk no they're just the loudest right um but you push the envelope far enough you're gonna piss everybody off now it'll be forgotten they'll still be voted in again <laughs> but I'm glad they faced some backlash enough to walk it back, but yeah, I'm glad they did too. Um, and that again, it maybe speaks to um, we're in better shape, but like people are really good at turning a blind eye when their team does the thing that's shitty. Um, and I think oh, exactly now that they apologize, it's like, okay, yeah, they knew it was wrong. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm agreeing with you there, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I think they just banked on the fact that it made NDP angry was going to be more powerful than mm -hmm. it undermining 
their own conscience. Um, the affordability checks. Uh, not enough to address cost of living, according to the SASC opposition. Uh, with $500 checks said to be on the way, Saskatchewan residents this fall, uh, the opposition is continuing to put pressure on the government to address affordability issues farther. Um, yeah, I didn't even know this was still a thing. I thought we weren't getting them anymore. <laughs> but because they, they lost out. the election that they announced it for. Yeah. <laughs> so I was sure we were done. <laughs> yeah. November. Um, and that's the thing, like this kind of thing is so just, it irks me because it costs so much money to make this happen that it's like, you could have done something that actually helps people like, yeah, $500 in people's bank accounts will help people, but yeah. it doesn't undo the fact that you added PST to a bazillion other things. Uh, you know, it's like, you're the one making it more expensive for us in a lot of instances. So you giving us some money, but then turning around, like, doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, I, I for one, am going to donate a large portion of my Mo money, uh, Monopoly money, I've been calling it. Because just because <laughs> just just you I, wanted to title the episode that, that's what you... <laughs> I expected it to show up, like, colored check paper. Yeah. Uh, and just be like, be like, a, be like the this uh, the COVID checks that Donald Trump was giving out. He's got to sign personally every single one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like a gold seal or something like that. Yeah. So I'm going to donate mine to like the abortion support network that I'm a part of, and just anything that would be like so anti Mo's favorite thing. Right. Um, it's going to get my money. Um, just because I'm petty. <laughs> fair. No, that's fair. But I try to do good with my petty in spite. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they, Scott uh, Mo said affordability is a concern that reaches all Canadians and the provincial government continues to address that. Quote, that's why we move forward annually with 2 billion of affordability measures. That's why we added 450 million in this year's budget, he said. Well, we most certainly are going to continue to focus on growth that works for everyone in Saskatchewan. And here's the good, the clincher. The NDP were in in government. There was no growth and they didn't work for anybody. <laughs> because cause that's relevant 15 years later, right? <laughs> How long ago yeah. was that? Uh, well, and what, what affordability measures? Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we're going to focus on growth means we're going to get more subsidies for like oil and gas companies that are work for everyone but actually don't right like right. you're gonna because anything he tweets now is like oh we're manufacturing is up this and the and they're like he just gets called out in the comments because like uh no actually that's not the case or you know immigration is not up it's down like all of the things that he highlights as being like look at how great we are are really kind of cherry-picked and not either not not important not relevant or just straight up false um, so yeah, I, you're putting money into something and you're going to call it an affordability measure. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, it's, I always think of like, uh, the idea, like he says they added 450 million to this year's budget, but like healthcare still is underfunded. Uh, education is underfunded. Like many of the most important social programs are underfunded. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I just, I would like to see the things that are needed get yeah. the proper amount of money that to make them run well. Sask uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Online Gambling Site Launches. Um, uh, so, legally regulated sports betting is now live in Saskatchewan via the internet, I guess. Because we've always had sports betting. Uh, if you went to the store and filled out the whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, but now, province launched Play Now on Thursday, the first legal online gambling gaming platform in Saskatchewan since the federal government legalized single-game sports betting in August 2021. Yeah, I my my initial reaction to this was, uh, oh good, the Saskatchewan government is making it easier for addicts to destroy their lives. This is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but also, we uh, we do have a casino in Regina and uh, casinos throughout the province and various other things that make it very easy for people to lose a lot of money via gambling. Yeah. And my, my thoughts were the same, but then I remember it's like addicts are going to do what they need to do to be addicted to things. Like, you know, um, I have um, family that uh, struggles with alcoholism. They can go anywhere and get, what they need, right? right. They need, um, and, and you know, thankfully they've been sober for a long time now. But um, so I tend to think of it as I hate that this stuff exists because it does make addiction worse. But at the same time, what are you gonna, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't stop it from happening. Like the whole point about like legalizing weed or legalizing you know, or decriminalizing um, mm-hmm. drugs kind of that same right uh, mentality that people are going to do it addiction is a real issue yep. let's at least try to make it as safe as possible now gambling like it says here they have um you know 24 hour um yeah uh, advisors available at all hours of the day so it's like oh so we have like addiction and met- mental health 24 hour advisors oh no just on the <laughs> Pencil. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's kind of like they're trying to do it in the best way possible, but it's still like a shitty thing that it exists at all. I watched, but if there's a shitty thing, at least we can make revenue on it that will hopefully help. But like, I have such little faith in the provincial government that it's like <laughs> theoretically, like in my point of view, cigarettes shouldn't exist. They're just Cause cancer, they're not good for anybody. They're Cigarettes should, co- should exist less than gambling should exist. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I guess. Uh, but it's like, but if it's going to exist, I want it to be taxed heavily and I want those taxes to go to lung cancer research and air quality measures and stuff like that. Does it? Probably not. <laughs> I'm sure, sure it just goes into one big pot. Um, yep. But if I ran things, it's like, okay, all of these things exist. People are going to do them anyways. Let's make it uh, easier or not easier, but, you know, easier to get in a safe way rather than out on the streets, whatever the case may be. We'll tax it and put that money back into helping people break that addiction and or dealing with the downstream health effects of that addiction. Right? put it into healthcare to help people with cirrhosis and lung cancer and whatever else. Clearly, that's not going to be what happens here. <laughs> it's just going to make money and keep it more addictive. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do I it's like a, it's it a safe consumption like it? 
Like it, it's at the end yeah. of the day, it's a safe consumption site. Um, that said, um, it, it, the revenue will be slightly um, different than just like taxes on yes. cigarettes because it goes to SEGA rather than to the provincial government itself. So, and that was another thing that made me feel, yeah, a little bit like, oh, okay, I'm a little bit more, yeah. more better with this than just it's straight harm, on a government it's, a, it's harm reduction. Like it, it, it's providing, uh, providing a addictive thing mm -hmm. in a, safer environment um again just like a safe consumption site um yep. and ideally you focus again on harm reduction um and like we've talked about with drugs and alcohol before it's the studies tend to indicate that addiction is less about the access to the item itself and more about the social conditions that surround it mm -hmm. the best way of fighting gambling addiction is creating a better society as a whole rather than trying to restrict access yeah. to the addictive substance or yeah. addictive activity in this case so um the the taxing part of it is always um i guess somewhat challenging when you are someone who is more progressive and does believe in the good government can do um when it's a bad government in place because in general i'm not opposed to higher taxes that pay for social programs and right. pay for, like we talked about in the last segment you know this is a provincial government that added pst on a bunch of things like were it be, were the money being spent by a government that i trust and support i would be very glad there's a there's taxes on rider tickets like yeah. rider tickets are a luxury good i am glad there are taxes on luxury goods um, on insurance children's clothing stuff yeah. like that you know yeah the one but of yeah. the ones that got the biggest like okay. was the again was that uh you know tickets and and whatnot um and yeah you're right like we taxes should be more progressive so we need to be careful on what we're taxing we want to make sure we're taxing yeah. it in a fair and effective way but sales tax is, do disproportionately affect uh lower income 100 percent, right absolutely yeah, and that was and that it, my other issue right is like yes it's on rider games and stuff like that but my husband and i went to a pats game last night for our date night because there was no movies we wanted to see and it was really expensive <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we're like, we saw some kids there and they were dancing. I'm like, you know, my kid would really like this, but it's not, not going to be something. <laughs> yeah. and, and like, we are, we are pretty privileged. We're both well-employed and things like that. We could afford to take our kid. Um, and, but it just made me sad that it's not going to be something that's going to be accessible for most families because it's exorbitantly expensive as our writer games now, as our, so it was kind of, you know, I agree tech, but like, Tax my income, maybe yes. more. Tax my tax my home, my property yeah. taxes. Uh, tax the things. Tax the wealthy. Just tax. <laughs> tax my privilege. And, but it was like the sale. It, they didn't increase the percentage of the sales tax. Like so, the things that were already being taxed weren't being taxed more. Like my, you know, it, it was expanding mm -hmm. it. Now some of the stuff they expanded it to. Yeah, absolutely. They shouldn't have. But I, I, some of the things that have been um, the biggest splash as far as 
I think possible actual damage to this asked party was the taxing rider games. I think yeah. that was I I've heard even conservatives get angry at that one and that yeah. that one was a big political mistake. And part of me sitting there going, yeah, no, all the things they'd added the prevent like added PST to. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, I'm good with rider games being taxed. And I, I like going to rider games. It's a thing I enjoy. It's still a luxury good. So if you're going to have a regressive tax like a provincial sales tax, I'm fine having it on luxuries. Um, And going back to the the gambling revenue thing, like if this exact same website was launched while an NDP government was in power, I'd probably be a lot more bullish on it. Like I'd be more positive. And again, I know that's my bias is coming through going full circle here, right? To the very first sure, We all have biases. I know that's mine. (laughs) And I think part of it is, yeah, I don't trust this provincial government to spend that tax revenue in an effective way. I I see it as a, an excuse to reduce taxes on people who probably should be paying their fair share as opposed to greater taxes on addicts. Um, I just dislike that this is a, like exactly said, a safe consumption site harm reduction. But the SAS party is typically anti that when it comes to that, like gambling and alcohol are okay addictions, right? But anything else is bad. And so we're not going to help those people um, that have those addictions. We'll only help these people that have these addictions, right? So it's this. Oh, yeah. And that's utter bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who supports this, I don't want to hear them bitching and moaning about safe consumption sites yeah. for yeah, for yeah. other other addictive substances. We should yeah. be treating addictions like a healthcare concern and a social concern, not a criminal concern. I find like I, I think that I think of gambling as a, a more exploitative type of uh addiction. Like because it's promoted and it specifically feeds money into not in Saskatchewan because it's the uh it's the government, but if you like look at Vegas like that money is is filtered up to like very very wealthy or uh companies who have people who study uh gaming and study addiction and specifically design these machines to make the increase of <laughs> the addiction increased and like it's it's very like gambling is like i don't know it's hardcore i, I have some i have some bad news to tell you Corey, about uh, alcohol and drugs and tobacco. Uh, alcohol and tobacco <laughs> for sure too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I would. There's still billionaires at the top of the food chain when it comes to illegal drugs too. Like, it, yeah. It's, no, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like, it, yeah. it's it's different types of billionaires, um, but even then, not completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. So, like, it's 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 and, not like they're it's not like they are nicer people at the head no. of drug cartels. Um, or at the head of the pharmaceutical companies that have things accidentally fall off the back of trucks and end up in the criminal markets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and alcohol is is glamorized and like such oh, yeah. a huge part of our social fabric of our society that it's yeah know, no again particularly in Saskatchewan actually. Well, in yeah, and. Uh, I guess we didn't cover it during the throne speech portion, but uh, there is a, a push now to legalize drinking in certain uh, areas of the park, uh, of various parks, uh, that is now, I don't know, I guess something the provincial government is interested in. So, Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with it. 
<laughs> again, I, I, I don't like my governments um, being the arbiters of enforcing Christian morality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like most of our temperance laws come from ultra right wing Christian evangelical religious zealots yeah. from the 1920s, right? Like that's Absolutely. a lot of where our alcohol laws come from. I am very fine with the religious zealots from a hundred years ago, not dictating where I can have a glass of wine. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you can't like smoke in public places because that yeah. affects yeah, people. That affects other people. 100%. 100%. Like somebody sitting There's, up front, stuck back a bottle of wine. I really don't care as long as they don't get in the car and drive away, but they could be yeah. that from their house or from the bar, right? 100%. Um, so it's it's yeah. no different. Um, yeah. yeah. You're not yeah, going to Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for the provincial government to be on board with that, it, again, it seems kind of counterintuitive because I, I, I see them as this like, puritanical but also you know yeah. not at all in some way so they're fine with if it's yeah basic. if it suits their needs right yeah, yeah. Well, that's the we've talked about this before on the show too there's this weird dichotomy within the conservative movement where you have the you know quote-unquote libertarians and the social conservatives who are trying to fit under the same tent and are, are at odds with each other um yeah. you know what was it eight ten years ago or whenever when they temporarily loosen some of the restrictions on stripping for like a year and then all of a sudden they like re-implemented them again because one wing of the party fought with the other wing it was <laughs> we want to allow people to be able to do this it's a free market oh wait no we can't have boobies and beer yeah make make it a government titty bar <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Appeal to the the capitalist in the <laughs> well, really, right? Like truthfully, though, if you want to yeah. make money, allow, and you want growth, and you want new businesses and, and stuff like that, it's like let them in, tax them like crazy, and you've got extra money, right? Huh. Sell the licenses. Uh, you set up a regulatory agency. There's a bunch of jobs that are going in there, like health inspectors, everything else, making sure the staff are treated appropriately and yada, yada, yada. Just creating jobs is what they say they want to do, right? Growth, all of that. Not if it involves boobies. <laughs> boobies are bad. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so I guess we'll end it there. There. Um... Before we go, I want to uh, mention I'm terrible at promoting the show. Uh, if <laughs> if any viewer wants to share it around and uh, you know tell people that might be of the similar uh, political persuasion as uh, us, uh, you might enjoy our takes on things. Maybe you won't. That's fine. But if you like it, uh, make sure to give it that like thing on the on the YouTube's <laughs> <laughs> and and share it around with everybody on the YouTube's, eh? <laughs> That's right. We're showing our age. <laughs> yeah. And uh, otherwise, you can find us at anchor.fm slash from many peoples. Our Twitter is at skpoliticspod. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash from many people strength pod. All the show notes, including uh, articles that we don't get to, will be at skepticalleftist.com. 
And our email is frommanypeoples at gmail.com. Or if you would like to buy us a coffee, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash frommanypeoples. Thank you, David. And thank you, Sarah, for joining me this evening. Thanks, Corey.